What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Outside Perspective. I'm your host, Adam Meredith. I cannot thank you guys enough for joining me. We have an awesome guest for you today. Before I get to the guest, I just have to say thank you. I couldn't do this show without you guys. So if you're new or if you're a repeat listener, from the bottom of my heart, like dead ass, thank you all. It really means the world to me. You guys are just so awesome. And the fact that you tune in to hear these conversations, I mean, I set out on this journey. I'm just trying to connect and, you know, I'm just trying to meet and chat with people who are interesting and just doing awesome shit. And, you know, I appreciate you guys tuning in and coming along for the ride. It really means a lot to me. So thank you so much. I do have to ask if you are getting value out of the show, if you could just tell a friend, you know, bring us one listener, one new person and it just help this thing grow. I can't do this without you. So bring us a friend. If you if you know, if you're not subscribed, make sure you know you subscribe. If you could also leave a rating and review, that would be rad. That helps the show become more discoverable so people can find us, especially on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. But hit that subscribe button and uh, and just bring us a friend. I, I, I can't thank you guys enough. And if you guys, if each of you do that, just bring us one person per episode that you are finding value from. Man, the sky's the limit. So thank you guys. Uh, big thank you to the show sponsor, St. Louis Deck and Fence. You can check these guys out if you are in the St. Louis area, or I think they'll even travel over to southern Illinois. So if you're in the St. Louis area or the surrounding area, go to stldeckandfence.com. Check these guys out. Jeremy Jennon is the owner. I've had him as a guest before. Uh, They're personable. They're friendly. They're putting out high-quality work. The decks and fences that they are building are the shit they are pristine they are top quality they're not going to fall apart you're going to get exactly what you want you have an idea you're not quite sure how to make it happen call these guys up they'll come out like i said you'll get a free quote and they'll be able to create the idea that you have they'll bring it to life so check them out stl deck and fence let them know i sent you my guest today, this is a really good conversation. We went for almost about two hours, and uh, it was just so cool catching up. Uh, it, I sit down with Randy Vanderveen. Randy is a, I'm just going to call him a health coach at the moment, uh, and he's an entrepreneur. He's a, a wanderer. I, I would. So it's so cool because Randy and I uh, were actually born on the same day, December 7th, and I wonder... I'm not really big into astrology. I am big into the I do believe in energy and the universe and and you know putting out positivity, but I'm not sure how much I necessarily believe in the location of the stars when you were born and how much that influenced. I don't know about all that. Maybe I'm maybe I'll have a conversation with somebody. I'll bring them on. We'll have that conversation and I'll hear more about it. But I do find it interesting that he and I we're born on the same day, and I there's a lot of I think like similarities, in in certain ways in the sense that he seems to have an intense 
draw towards just adventure and exploration and just like wandering with an A, not wondering, wandering. And I do too. So I wonder if there is something with that. But uh, Randy's an awesome dude. We met in college. I was a freshman. He was a senior on the wrestling team. We talk about that a little bit. But he's, you know, it's been probably 10 years since I've sat down or since I've seen Randy really talk to him. We've stayed connected through social. And he seems to be in a really good place in life. And uh, he's definitely evolved and grown as a human and has come to this place that seemed very interesting to me so I wanted to to connect with him and 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 see what was up because he, you know I think Randy's a good dude um I will say like we I talked about when when I met him and this it's just the the phases of life when he met I was the the little fish coming into the system I was the, the, the bottom guy on the totem pole. I was this freshman coming into the system, and he was a senior. We're both, you know, fucking wrestlers, fucking uh, a lot of alpha dudes on this team. And from my perspective, it just like we got off kind of on the wrong foot in the sense that I was like, ah, oh, this dude's kind of an asshole. As from the freshman, eighteen-year-old kid perspective, and and we, Randy was actually, um, a, he did some strength work at my gym, and so like I think it was like around like two thousand eleven or twelve, I got to connect with him again, like post college, and everything was super cool, and and I we talk about it, I think on the podcast some with uh, I had that same experience with another guy named Josh Sampa who I've had on the podcast and he's one of my favorite humans in the whole world so it's just interesting when you meet somebody at one point in your life and you kind of have this perspective and then you both you go through life and you experience things and you you evolve and you grow and 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 then you can re and then you can you can reconnect later and then it's just this whole different experience. And that's just, that's just so cool about life. Like that's the beauty of being a human being is that we're not stagnant. If you don't choose to be, you know what I mean? Like you can always improve and better yourself and evolve and you don't have to be stuck in your ways. Like you can get new information. It is okay to get new information and change your mind and to and to do different and to do better and once you know better you do better and it's just it's just super cool now i'm going off on a completely different random tangent that has nothing to do either way i'm sitting down with randy vanderveen let's gain some perspective guys Fucking Vanderveen. Yes, sir. You so make sure I turn you up and turn me down. You uh, I wanted to, I really wanted to to sit down with you. Like we were just talking just a second ago. I didn't realize it's been fucking ten years since we've sat down. And um, I was telling my fiance Deja that like we had met in college. I mm-hmm. think I think you were a, a senior on the wrestling team, and I was a freshman. So it's like that's a very interesting time to uh, kind of meet somebody. Because, like, uh, we we see Josh Sampo pretty regularly still, and that's exactly when I met him. 
And like you two are kind of both like the captains of the team or leaders of the team. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and to to put it like not so nicely, like you're like you guys are assholes. <laughs> if, yeah. From my perspective, like I always say, like I didn't, I wasn't the biggest fan of Josh Sample, but he's like one of the nicest fucking people that I know. The biggest heart, dude, dude. But he's the the most vicious little man. Oh my goodness. that you could ever come across. But then. You know, as soon as the whistle blows and it's all done and the dust is settled, then he's got that smiling, gremlin little grin. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, well, the relationship you develop through that sort of, I've just been listening to David Goggins' audio book, um, and it's, you know, that SEAL team type of mindset where yeah. there's the elders. Yeah. And, you know, the only way that they can pass on the magic of the tribe yeah, is through that sort of mm -hmm. testosterone-based aggression discipline. Right, dude. There's definitely a time and place. It's a part of. It's. it's it, I feel like I can almost appreciate it, like that type of thing now more, maybe a little bit more removed from it, because like it's like it's a group of like young men, and like there's a culture there. This is kind of like it's like this this thing i feel like maybe there should be more rites of passage almost but my like my main point is like dude i'm like we're talking now and like you've gone through this huge ass like shift through the years and you're just you just seem so much more like just calm <laughs> and like just mellow of a person from then yeah and <clears throat> it surprises myself yeah you know even on the daily when that happens yeah it's like where's my explosion I thought I would have already exploded by now, mm -hmm. you know, depending on what the situation is, whether it's an angry cashier that's treating me inappropriately or whether <laughs> it's my ex-wife who is doing something wrong to me. My mindset's completely changed now. That's, that's their problem. That's not my problem, yeah. you know, and, and even better than that, once I, once I realized that I didn't have to be so upset at factors and people that I can't control it you know it leads you to want to help those people that are attempting to hurt you rather than even hurt them back right because you understand like you said you're a little bit more you know you pull yourself back but i i digress back to the um you know the wrestling days and and you know the relationship that you know i i think back and it's it's interesting how we, through just the power of an organization like the Lindenwood Wrestling Team, were able to establish a bond close enough and tight enough, not because of necessarily you or I, because, yeah, we, we kicked it and we had a good time and there was not even, I wouldn't remember any animosity necessarily between us, Right. but it's not like we were the closest of kin the best of friends well we we're just in different pecking orders within Look, that, we missed within each other's tribe. time as yeah. well mm -hmm. you know you're and, you're a senior i'm a freshman right but now now 12 years 10 years later with a little bit of you know contact in between that time i feel like we never skipped a beat yeah and it's and it's unique because i felt that same experience with a teammate of mine who was older than me you I don't know if you would know him his name is Bob Howard and I just recently saw him for the first time in 12 years yeah like we never even did a day apart that's so interesting and, you know and it's like why is that right made me think you know like 
but it's something bigger than us. And that's, I think, what that team, what that, it's hard to articulate the camaraderie, the, you know, the, the sharing of those terrible experiences that us coaches <laughs> can provide to the athletes, you know, and I had my same same coaches with that hate and love relationship and hate first. You know, yeah. that's, I think, the problem that today you don't get so much of that. And I think it's a powerful experience to let your hate manifest into love Yeah. instead of it being the other way around. Yeah, I feel like that's all the same emotion, hate and love. Like, I've, 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 been, like, I've talked to some people and, like, we, we tend to look at things yeah. as, like, a spectrum and like, or it's like, it's like this or that, like this dichotomy rather, but it's like, it's, it's, yeah, it's like this, this, it's almost all like the same thing. Sphere or some sort of thing. Yeah. But it's like, you, you definitely do not want to be driven by, by hate. You know what I mean? But the people that I love the most whenever I, from like those, those times, like those years of my life, or even just anywhere in life, like whenever you look back, the people who you tend to like, who push you or like you kind of have that hate-love relationship with. Like, they push you, and they piss you off. You tend to love and respect those people the most. Like, they hold you accountable. That's why I feel like it's almost all, like, the same emotion because it's, like, I'm, I'm, in, the one mo- like in the one moment, it's like, oh, I fucking hate this person right now. Like, because they're, they're, they're making you do what you need to do oftentimes, even though you don't want to do it, like, you know, you need to do it. Like it's somewhere in you, you know, you should be doing this thing. And that's the key. They, they're able to push that trigger. That's ultimately inside of you. Right. And that's where it can, you know, where it merges. Cause obviously you don't hate yourself. Right. You know? And it's like, then you realize that what they were doing, what they're telling you to do, you know, and, and it takes, yeah, it gets deep because it really takes, you know, being able to love yourself. Once you get to, you got to be able to do that, to be able to take in that hate. Yeah. I mean, think about that. That You know the ones that bailed. Oh, you, yeah. we, we all know the ones that never show up again. And, you know, they just don't love themselves enough. But then, you know, it's once you figure out that you're worth it, then you kind of figure out that the coach thinks you're worth it. Right. You know, so you almost reflect exactly what's inside of you. Yeah, that's true. I mean, really all of, all of, I feel like all of like your perspective is just reflection of, of yourself. Yeah. And, and I can relate to that wholeheartedly because I was in a place in my life where, you know, I could have said that I was living in a hell. And then four years later, I want to slap the shit out of that person who said that, you know, that, what do you mean you're living in a hell? Right. You, you're living in America. It's 2017 at the time. You've got two beautiful kids. You know, you've got a car. Yeah. You've got a place to live. You've got food in your fridge. What do you mean? Yeah. You know, in that perspective that somehow I was able to lose, that, that cost me a lot. Yeah, you seem to go, have gone through a very like interesting journey, like having seen like post college. You didn't seem to go like the the nine to five route, right? No, I tried that for about a year. Yeah, like you you didn't go the traditional route, and like you seem to be in this place now to, of like, well, you, you stopped drinking, 
Yeah. And you kind of seem to be in this place now where, like, you even talked about, like, you stopped working out. So you've gone through, like, <laughs> this, this, like, take me through this, like, trip. Like, what's been going on in your life, dude? <laughs> That's a broad question, I know. Yeah. You know, really, just to sum it up and then to dig into it, the simpler, the better is, mm. is kind of my mindset. Okay. Um, I always ask myself, is this going to complicate my life? That's been a big question I try to ask myself before I make a purchase, before I build a relationship, Mm. you know, before I make a decision, it's just going to add any undue chaos to my life Mm. is, is what I ask myself. And I say undue, um, because I believe that there should be an appropriate amount of chaos and spontaneous craziness in life. And this is life. Right. So, you know, the, the simpler, the better, but, you know, manage the, and here's the thing, the chaos is going to arrive on its own. So you don't have to worry about making sure the chaos shows up. Oh yeah. So that's where I thought, how about I just simplify my life? So then at that point in time in my life, let's just say four years ago, it was like, what's the easiest way that I could simplify my life? The, the, the one thing. Not not easy in practice, easy in philosophy. And it was like, I'm a drunk. And because I'm a drunk, I'm doing so many things, hurting so many people, myself. I'm doing drugs because I'm a drunk, just so that I can drink more. I'm creating toxic relationships because I'm a drunk. It all just kept coming back to because I'm a drunk. Mm. So then I thought, you know, the simpler the better would mean eliminating that right oh yeah i had a ton of money problems too so it was like hmm what why don't i just do one thing why don't i not do one thing any longer that would totally simplify my life i didn't need a overarching plan with 15 different objectives i didn't need you know certain levels i just thought you know one thing like simplify your mind all of your efforts on one thing so that you could be somebody different. I kept saying five years. You could be somebody different in a significant amount of time if you just do this one thing and really, really practice at it and do it well. So then people would say, well, I'm going to do you know, a skill. I'm going to learn something. And for me, it was to unlearn how to drink. <laughs> oh, shit. You know, because yeah. – and so I just – I attacked it because – yeah, it just caused way too much pain and misery. And, you know, I, I don't like going into detail, but I was addicted to cocaine. I was in and out of jail for just stupid skirmishes and just yeah. um, traffic while drunk and leaving the scene of an accident. And, um, you know, I never had to do any significant time, but I just was always in and out of jail. So, you know, it was, I finally just, it clicked and it was like, more than anything, and now my main aim in life is to be the father that I know I can be. And up until that point, I had had two kids. I, I loved them. I, I, I would have done anything I thought for them, but I wasn't. And, and, and it finally, you know, came to me. So it was like, boom, you know, you got a new aim, and, and it's solidified, and it's simple. And and now you've got a a plan of attack. So now you got to prove it. 
Yeah. You know, and, and that's the problem that, again, I don't care what plan you have. And that's why I think most plans fails because they have 100 objectives. Too complicated. Way too complicated. It's paralyzation by analyzation after that. And you start overthinking and it's like, no. If you take five seconds, this is a message for anybody. You want to know how to change your life. Is It's the man in the mirror. Take five seconds and look yourself in the eye. You'll come up with the answer. It'll knock you on your ass so fast. And you just got to be courageous enough to listen to that. Right. We often know the answer. 100% we do. You ask somebody, how do, how do you lose weight? They, they can probably tell you what they need to do. It's simple in theory. It's never easy in practice. You have to do the work. But we know what, we know what the answer is. Right. It's in us all the time. That's an interesting philosophy, too, because, you know, some people think that it's about remembering and not not learning. Mm. Learning is remembering. And you know that because when you read a good book or when you hear a good speech, it's like, I, I knew that. that I, just, I just never could put it into words like he did or she did. And it's mm. like, I think about that and it's like, there's, I think it was Carl Jung or some big philosopher kind of pegged that and he's like you, you know don't quote me on carl young but it was somebody worthwhile bigger than me <laughs> <laughs> and they were you know learning is remembering and it's like that just always stayed with me that's interesting because you know then it's like well then if we're remembering and it does feel like we're remembering a lot of times yeah. not necessarily just learning the deeper things mm-hmm. so you can learn and you can learn how to speak a new language or um, articulate a math equation. That's learning that you would think. But I'm talking about the things that kind of redirect your life. Right. Where it's like, these oh, grander I lessons. This. I knew this all along. Like I kind of, like I said, I want to slap my 20 year old self because it's like, you knew this, pal. And you had it inside of you, that voice that said it. That is so true. There, I think about that as, as well. Like in, in particular, I think oftentimes pain is probably one of our greatest teachers and for sure one of the 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 biggest and most painful lessons for me was going through a divorce which was for a lot of people and like I think about everything like that entire relationship and I'm just like dude there was so many like just red lights from the get-go which you just ignored which you knew weren't okay and it's like that that internal wisdom, but you just for whatever reason, there's just like this other monkey brain that just overrides that shit. It's just like, nope, we're gonna do this. Yeah, that's that's human beings, all right. Yeah, we dude. we think we know something, don't we? Dude, yeah. The more I learn, the more I don't know shit. You want to know something funny? They they put mice on on like a tray. It floats on water in a pool, like fifty mice. And it's uneven, and they don't sink it. No, mo- not a single mouse will fall off into the pool. And then they scale the um, experiment up for human beings, and they put them out onto like a relative-sized raft. Yeah. They crumble into the water every time. And it's that consciousness that, that we think we know how to fix the problem in front of us where we try to take over when we ultimately have the answer inside of us. Yeah. And it's innate that even a mouse could figure it out. But, <laughs> you know, you put 50 humans on a raft and they sink it. 
Some people are stupid, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on which 50. Nah, if they chose 50 Lindenwood wrestlers, yeah, that would sink in a heartbeat. We might be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, shit. That's so funny. But, dude, yeah, there's just so, there's so much chaos to life. To, to think that you can just control it all. Like, sometimes you just got to let go and just and just trust the process. Trust yourself. Yeah, and that's that balance, though, that I believe having a simpler life, having a simpler aim. Yeah. Because I don't necessarily know. You asked me, where am I going to go this weekend? And I said, North Carolina. And I, I know that, but I'm not dead set on it. And it's like, I don't even know what city Just in that North direction. Carolina. In that direction. I love that. Because, you know, and that's the, that's the way I think we should approach life is that, you know, don't try to pin coordinates down. Maybe just say you want to go northwest. And, and then you might find out that very soon you don't even want to go northwest. But at least... You're not pinned down to the specifics of a coordinate and the exactness of it that sometimes we get trapped into. The exactness of our life keeps us in a relationship that we know for a fact we shouldn't be in. But the exactness that we had of the coordinates that we plotted before dictated that we keep moving towards that. Yeah. Whereas instead, you know, you might have been able to bypass that whole ravine if you just knew okay i gotta keep going north but you know i may have to even end my final destination somewhere different than those than what i originally thought and you know again having a little bit more of a generic powerful aim to be the father that i know i have the potential to be gets me up on time yeah you know it makes me get outside and do my walks it made me realize that working out like an insane maniac wasn't in line with what I needed to do. And so by trusting that, you know, that, that aim is where I want to go. And right now, I mean, that's pretty powerful stuff for me. I want to be the father that, that I know I can be. It makes the day-to-day a little bit more simple. Yeah, it's you a know? simple aim. I feel like I get pulled through my day. Mm. Rather than having to push my way through it. Yeah, you get your purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, not drinking's a good move. It's a real good move. I feel so much better when I don't drink. Dude, I'm so proud of you. I didn't know that. And I heard, you know, whenever I hear that, I'm always just like, fuck yeah. It's one you of those know? things I've always wrestled with in the sense that, like, I've never had an issue with it. But whenever I, I drink, I don't feel well the next day. I feel super just just bloated my skin feels tight more of a physical thing yeah my joints just don't feel well like i just i just know physical like it just it doesn't make me feel the greatest so that's really always kind of been my thing like i've always i've i've kind of wrestled through most of my 20s i'm like ah man like i'll probably quit one day and i'm like ah in my 30s and then like i hit 30 and i'm just like ah now i'm 33 so i stopped last year at 32 so it's just like the, those first couple of years, I'm just like, man, I said I was going to probably do this around this time. I haven't done it yet. I'm like, man, at least let me take off a year. So then, like, I drank on the 4th of July last year, and I said I'm going to take off a year. And uh, I still wrestle with, like, again, because I don't have an issue with it, and I kind of like the social aspect sometimes, like, even, like, being on the podcast. But it doesn't really give me any benefit, so I don't know if I'll ever do it again. I have no desire to do it again. Sometimes I wonder if it's just more of just – it's so socially acceptable. It's just the socially thing. It's like the social thing that's always been done that 
it's just you just feel like it's just okay to do, even though it, it it's so terrible for you. Dude, that's a lot of it behind it is the social draw. That's what kept me into it. Yeah. Um, I'm making networking. I'm making money. I'm improving my life. I'm establishing relationships. We tell ourselves these stories. Right. What we should be telling ourselves is that 50% of all murderers are drunk and 50% of all people being murdered are drunk. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I didn't know that. if we could get people to stop getting drunk, we would half violence yeah dude like but you don't hear that shit man and that's what pisses me off and gets me all worked up because you're gonna hear all these other sorts of ways that we could improve the world at large and from somebody who's improved his own world at small for lack of a better word it's like it's a no-brainer Right. You know, well, that's why the whole narrative with, with cannabis is such bullshit, right? I mean, 100%. A, a lot of the fear mongering in the early days it was especially drawn towards saying that, you know, you're going to have black people and Hispanics and they, they smoke this drug and then they become violent. And it's not that's even the not, case. That's nowhere near the case. Dude, you go to sleep. You don't fucking want to do it. Like, right. you're relaxed. You're calm. You're creative. Like, whatever the case may be, like, violent is usually the last thing most people are. Unless you're violent to yourself, you know, with a bag of Cheetos. Yeah. You or, know, you know, but, you're already violent of a person. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. It's not going to enhance it. But, you know, when I have done a lot of research on the alcohol, and, you know, the other factor is it's familial. So you have, I, I can't remember specifically, but a Maybe a quarter of those murders are family members. It's domestic violence. Really? Yeah. So it's like the rule is, you know, is don't get drunk with your family. But yet that's what everybody does every holiday, every Saturday, every Sunday, you know. And it's like, well. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of correlation in that with, you know, if there's family problems to begin with that might lead to the drinking, Mm -hmm. you know, and. Or the, at least the abuse of the well, drinking. Yeah, well, the amount of people that are treating trauma with with alcohol or some other form of hard drug is, is crazy. That's the the that's where it hits home for me, you know, because I was self medicating. Hmm. My life was, you know, I was a day late and a dollar short. To be honest, I was in a relationship I didn't want to be in. This was when I was married. Hmm. I lived in a house I couldn't afford. I drove a car I couldn't afford. You know, I was behind on promises. Yeah. And, you know, my life was an all-out mess. And I was stressed to the max. And, you know, what's the easiest way to escape? And what's the most socially acceptable way to escape? Right, and and easily accessible. Exactly. And, and And it pins you right into it. Yeah, no one bats an eye if you go buy a fifth or a six pack or thirty pack. No one, no one nope. gives a shit. Nobody bats an eye if you're posting about having mimosas on Sunday morning at ten a.m. Nobody bats an eye if they you're at a barbecue. You. Yeah, you'll get more likes and comments on your post if you're barbecuing with a bush light next to the barbecue, or compared to a bottle of water. Yeah, or but if I sit inside my house all night and maybe do some like some MDMA or some psilocybin or smoke some weed. 
then like you're you're a bad person. Yeah, oh, you're the worst. What you're the, a criminal. You're a druggie. Right. Because you're sitting at home. The thing is. Because that, you're exploring yourself. Exactly. Dude, the thing is humans are always going to alter consciousness and, and explore it and, and, and test it. Like you can't even keep drugs out of prison, bro. No. What what, what makes, sense does that make? So this whole war on drugs, first of all, is just insane. You know what I mean? Like the fact that we have people locked up that are nonviolent offenders of for like cannabis, like that blows me away. And now you and me with our cards can just go to the store and we can buy weed. Yeah. And and the same people that had that same thing in their pocket, they're still in prison. Yeah, man. It's 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 so crazy. Um I was very fortunate enough to have fuck dude, I'm gonna think I'm I'm Blanking on his name. I remember you, um, the podcast, the guy who just got out. Yeah, yeah, I think his name's Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm I'm so ashamed I don't know his name. But you, <laughs> either way, he was in jail. He he got a life sentence with no parole for cannabis, and he finally got out after some like twenty plus thirty years or thirty. You know, most of his fucking life. Right. But it's like just the idea, and there's still people in in states where it's legal in jail right now. It's crazy. If if we're putting people with substance abuse, substance charges behind cages, we've we've drastically lost sight of what the problem is. Right. Because, you know, the fact that we think they need to be isolated and humiliated and demoralized, you know, that's how's that gonna help anything? Right. You know, that's not. And now I'm not all about this whole you know, liberating everything and just letting the streets be run with chaos. Absolutely not. But I believe that there should be a definite redistribution of balance, put yeah. it that way. Yeah, dude, I think right is right. And how we're prosecuting drug offenders yeah. and, and drug charges. Right. Because it's, yeah, it's worth taking a look into. Because on the surface, it does, you know, like you said, it doesn't make much sense. There's more drugs in prison than there are on the streets. How does that even... How does that even compute? Yeah, man. I, I just feel like if we really want to, like, be the best society and we want we want to have the best citizens, I don't feel like locking people up is for, for something that's nonviolent and isn't hurting people is an answer. I, don't, I feel like we should offer more options to, like, help people. If you are, like, truly – I feel like there are models that have shown that – if, like just like the war on drugs, for example, like is a fail is like that's failed. Like you can look at models to where instead of treating it as like a criminal offense, if you're like a drug addict, you can treat that as a, like a healthcare situation, and we can either help you get treatment or we can help regulate this so that way it's as safe as possible, or we can help you, you help people address their trauma because most people are just addressing trauma. One hundred percent. So it's just like there has to be a better way to do this thing. That we're doing it just it just it just blows me away oftentimes that there can be problems in society where the the fix seems very simple to me, but for whatever reason it's never simple to do. I got a simple theory. Do you know who what demographic makes up most of the inmates? Most of the inmates today, yeah. um. Probably like 
I mean, there's probably, probably a lot of minorities. Well, mostly, let's just say males, mostly white that, males. Okay, you knew it. You hit it right off the get-go. Yeah. So let's zero in on that fact alone. So why are only males being put in prison? I'm not saying that they're not doing things that are wrong. So let's back up even more. Why are, and it's adolescent males, because they stop going to prison at the age of 29. Dude, the most dangerous humans on the fucking face of the planet are are young men between the ages of like sixteen to like twenty six. You're you're full of of testosterone and hormones, and your brain's not fully developed yet. Not even close. You know what I mean. You have no concept of danger. You're a volatile individual. Mm-hmm. You have no self of sense of like no self sense of like of trying to like keep yourself safe. You know what I mean. Right. You. You're just out to fucking conquer. Not all. Okay, but, but now hold on. So I think that is a powerful thing. I think that is one of the greatest things about human beings. I think that's what has brought human beings to where we are today. And now I'm gonna get I'm gonna get probably bashed, um, especially by the feminists because of this. But it's that patriarchal drive, and a lot of it happens from the age of twelve to thirty. That can either destroy or make a man. And what we've decided is it's just predominantly bad. That age is just going to destroy men. We have to subdue all of that testosterone, yeah. all of that drive for chaos, all of that drive for danger, all of that drive for challenge. We cannot have that in our society. And that they couldn't be more than dead wrong because... That is actually what was that powerful statement that we were talking about in the beginning that we got to share. You know, if these adolescents that are troubled actually had a, a challenge that was put in front of them, maybe even a challenge better than wrestling in college, which is tough and it builds you. But what about exploration and what about things that, you know, can help grow humanity eventually? And, you know, that's one of the things I'm reading a book right now about the pioneer days and how they had to, you know, go out into the plains and, you know, there was wild savages, there was Comanches and tons of Native Americans. Well, you know who was doing the, the cavalry? And these guys were 24-year-old Young captains, men. lieutenants. These, it made me embarrassed to think that I was peeing myself at a bar at the same age that some of these colonels were leading hundreds of troops, you know, through the, the plains of New Mexico. Yeah. And having adventure and, and being called and in there, I understand there's a lot of debate as to the whole, you know, white migration and what destruction that did to the tribes. But nonetheless, um, I feel that the, the progress that humanity has been able to um, now experience and enjoy. I mean, pipes had to be dug underground, hundreds of frozen feet. I mean, these guys, these these people, like the Boys that need the challenge need to be called to these pipe fitters that go out onto the uh, oil rigs and they, they're out in the ocean and they're rocking and moving up and down and they've got a, you know, a fatality rate that's through the roof for workers' compensation and stuff like that, but they need to pay these men. And, you know, we need to support things that are going to allow these young boys to not fall prey to thinking their challenge is a fight out on Main Street, you know, like... No, that's not where you're going to get your challenge that's going to provide you the meaning to keep going in life. Right. You know? Yeah, we, sh- we shouldn't hamper that like, or damper that. or like, Yeah, like, not at all. Like, 
a lot of boys uh, when they're turning into men they're gonna they're gonna seek that that challenge they're gonna seek that resistance in some way they're gonna try to 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 prove themselves especially if they're like the alpha type right yep so and and, and we gotta find ways to i feel like to address that and to to encourage that right i mean it's like, gotta it's, be it's, encouraged it's, and it's like these rites of passage right like i feel like maybe it's not going out and 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 doing some of the shit that like when society we're not as hard of a society as we used to be so i don't know what the answer is like how do we address it and like but it's 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 a natural part of development it's a necessary part of development you know what i mean yeah and i think the answer the the answers in the details you know in terms of you know each particular young man and and maybe what his interests are and yeah. how he you know, and, you know, I don't even want to, like... Because there's nothing wrong with fucking masculinity, man. No, nothing whole... wrong. It's not toxic. No, dude, It can just it's necessary, be, it, it is 100% necessary. It can be highly toxic if but, it's not facilitated correctly. Dude, any femininity can be toxic. It can be. You can go in the extreme in any way. Well, and the other thing I'd always advise people to look into is when they spot a toxic male, is I would like them to go back in time... And maybe find out if there was a toxic female. You know, moms aren't just automatically nice and caring. Yeah, the there's whole a idea lot of vicious stories of of mothers and the Oedipal syndrome and the the hurtful ways that moms can you know harm their kids. And there's there you know there's obviously literature behind this. Yeah, the emotional manipulation. Sure, oftentimes. sure, and you know, and that could possibly be also caused because. You know, you go back into their mom's history and maybe they did have a vicious father. But it's not always as cut and dry as, you know, the, the child shooter who's, you know, shooting up the school is just a toxic male who didn't, you know, who, who had his aggression left out. And it's like, no, you know, maybe there were deeper problems and maybe it came from the maternal side as well. Because, you know, that challenge that I speak of is not just limited to men. You know, women want a challenge too. Young girls would like a challenge in life as well. You know, they don't want the world handed to them on a silver platter. Yeah. You know, we may in our immature adolescent minds believe that. And if that dream just keeps being, you know, believed by even the adults, then why would the kids not believe that? But I do believe that until, it, you know, because if they do get that, I believe I, I wasn't given the proper amount of challenge. And like I said, I, I think it was great that we wrestled at Lindenwood and went through some of those grinds and, and, and found out what we had. But that just left it, you know, kind of empty. Post-Lindenwood, I was lost. Because it's like, wrestle in high school, wrestle in college, that was my challenge. It kept me kind of straight and narrow, at least on the in-season version. and the out-of-season version, I was chaos. Mm -hmm. You know, so the signs should have been there, like, hey, this boy, who was still a boy at the time, he's going to need some sort of direction. Yeah. He's going to need some sort of challenge because when he doesn't have that in front of him, he melts. Well, that's a part of the, the issue with, like, well, one, when you're – when your whole life your your identity is wrapped up with being this athlete it's very hard to like transition after that for a lot of people but then you you take into account that like 
like you said, you're a boy, but we act like you're a man. And like, sure, maybe physically, you're you're fairly just you're for the most part you're grown. Like you're not probably gonna grow a whole lot more. Like there's still development that goes on. Like, but like, I mean, because like men, we don't tend to hit our physical prime until later. But like, you're still a boy. Your mind's not fully developed. But all of a sudden, we're just like, all right, well, now you're a full-grown adult in this world, and you should have it figured out. Which is why I ended up with the house I couldn't pay for and a car I couldn't pay for. I was in a relationship that I didn't want to be in. Right. You just start going down the path that you're told you're <coughs> supposed to go down. Right. Get married. Have kids. Yeah. Get the nine to five. Even though I wasn't even psychologically close to being able to manage any of that. And, and to my – I had – there was a there's a caveat to that because I wanted still a lot from life. I think I could have managed it if I would have just dedicated myself to paying the bills, mm-hmm. which is I think what most people ultimately find themselves doing. Right. I had too much calling me, and I didn't know what it was. It was this sense of adventure. Mm-hmm. It was this sense of you don't need your nine to five, which could pay for your bills barely. You need to go start a business. Right. You know, that was, I guess, my form of doing something that was ludicrous. You needed fulfillment. It was like going out into the frontier plains at 24 years old without a clue. Right. With a rifle in my hand. Yeah, no safety net. You know, and yeah, and I took my lumps big time, you know, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for, for anything because, you know, I'm in a way I branched off and I LLC'd my own coaching company from that. I no longer have a physical location of, of a gym. I simply just do my coaching. Okay. And I wondered about that. Yeah. Cause you had the gym for so long. I don't need it anymore. I, I that's, you know, I've, you just I've sell been, all your shit. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. One guy. Nice. Yeah. Cause that's, so people would show up. I would have clients, you know, this is, Five years ago. I'm the personal trainer. They show up to me Monday, Wednesday, and canceled on Fridays. <laughs> right. But they show up then again Monday, and they're darkened and depressed because the weekend was rough, and they then drag their ass through work all day. And then uh, they see me at 5.30 p.m., and they look like shit. We work out, and they look great, actually, by the time they leave. And they're talking, and they're spilling some problems about their husband, and they get in their car and and it's like awesome, you know. I I feel good about what I did. I see him Wednesday and it's the same old slug, because truth be told, on the ride home, they had already started an argument with their husband, hmm. with their son. They had already got called into work early the next day, so it took me like ten years because I was drunk and high most of the time on coke. Where it's like this isn't working. You know, like, yeah. this is not even close to working for the people that I had my target market for, which is depressed, overweight, middle-aged adults. Yeah. General population. Which is a, the general pop. Yeah. So I said, what I'm doing, this whole gym thing, personal training thing, is not working. And I slowly saw signs, and, you know, I didn't really act upon it, and my life was in disarray. And, you know, once I got myself back together, and once I sobered myself up, and once I could see this, that this is just a three- to four-month wheel that these people get on and ride and fall off, I said, I've got to address the source of their problems. They're in a relationship they can't stand. They're in a job they don't want to be at. 
And they may live where they don't want to live. I mean, these are bigger problems than yeah. a bench press or a squat rack is going to be able to fix. Right. And, you know, and in my naivety as a kid, 20-year-old, I thought people could just out burpee their problems, you know. Because mm. it did work. It was like a magic drug. Like immediately, you do 18 burpees in a minute and then you're, oh, wow, I feel different. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a drug. Just keep going, keep going. And it's like, well, eventually you got to come back. And, you know, you got to come back to real life. And you got to come back to why your shoulders are slumped, why you drag your feet, yeah. barely get out of your car on that Monday at 530 to go, to go in and exercise, which should be a celebration of your body, not punishment, which, again, is a cliche Pinterest freaking meme. Yeah. But it's so the truth. Like, it what are you, you? You're punishing yourself just being alive, bro. Yeah. You can't even get out of the car. You're huffing and puffing. Your blood pressure's through the roof. What? What are you doing? Adding punishment to that existence? Right. You know, you're emotionally empty because I can see it. Because your posture, your eyelids, your face yeah. says that you're emotionally empty. Right. So, you know, that is the problem. It's not that they can't do a 500-meter row fast enough. It's just that they're emotionally empty. So then I got on this whole, like, research tangent. I'm pondering why everybody's so emotionally empty, and, and it just dawned on me that, well, my kids aren't emotionally empty. They seem fairly freaking normal they can play instantly they can get up my son will take a challenge to do a tri trampoline trick any second um their spontaneous laughter it's like wow they're they're actually healthy and then it, yeah well look at the way they move and look at the way the people that i'm the adults i was speaking of earlier move they can't touch their toes they can't do a cartwheel to save their life. They can't. A lot of these people can't even do a squat so that their hips go below their knees. Right. Which makes me wonder how much pain and suffering it just going to the bathroom is. And so it started all tying together that I realized, obviously, and I had known this before, that your physical health and your mental health and your emotional health, it's all one. Right. But now it really started coming into play like, Okay, I knew that, but then why was the fix for physical health to be able to bench press 300 pounds? What, what, what did that have anything to do with improving my emotion besides that 10 seconds that you get that PR? Right. And then the next four days that you suffer because your body is broken. Right. And what are you getting out of that? Unless you are a paid professional. Those yeah, are the yeah. people that just aren't privy. You know, this conversation doesn't apply to them. Right. You know, but um, these are the nine to fivers. These are the people who are emotionally empty. What are you doing running off to Orange Theory? You don't have enough time in your life. And, and you're going to leave your work. And you're going to run off to Orange Theory to make another appointment. I don't know about you, but I hate appointments. It's like... <laughs> How many appointments can you have, especially if you're working nine to five? Right. So then you're going to make two appointments each week. How do you feel about those appointments? You don't lie. You feel great after you're done. I know that. And I see the posts from people. They feel great after exercising. But 
long term, I follow some of these folks after five, 10 years. And my clients, same thing that I was working with for five or 10 years, and they're just going downhill. Mm-hmm. And it's like something is not working here. Because it's not a lifestyle. It's not a lifestyle, man. And, and there's nobody else preaching. There's nobody else preaching it because there's too much money to be made if you don't. That's what it comes down to. And you, you can it's so much easier to sell a product than it is to teach a skill. Right. And so what you're left with are even the authorities of the fitness industry resorting to fulfilling aimless pipe dreams that people have through a product or through some sort of snake oil to completely take the pressure off that person to the idea of what actually has to happen. You got to touch your toes. I don't care what sort of keto diet supplement drink you're having. I don't care what your doctor said about your blood pressure. And I'm not sure why your doctor didn't even have you try to touch your toes. Instead, he wrapped a sleeve around your arm and he pumped it a few times. And then he told you something that you don't even understand. He said, these numbers, they don't look good. And you nodded and you went on with your way and you start taking pills that this human being told you to take based on these numbers. It doesn't, again, it doesn't add up. So why is it happening? Because it's easier. It's easier for the doctor, and it's easier for the patient. It's a conspiracy. It's also easier for the personal trainer because that's what, I, you know, I don't want to let them out. It goes from the personal trainer all the way up the healthcare spectrum to the physical therapists, to the nurses, to the doctors, to the insurance companies. It's a, it's a scam, and it's all a conspiracy because even the personal trainers, I started understanding long before I got the guts to start speaking out and understanding what it is that I was doing, what, how it would affect me, I knew that what I was doing was just a hamster in a wheel. And at best, a hamster in a wheel. At worst, that wheel was getting pulled backwards as the hamster was running its dick off. So, yeah, it's a conspiracy, and that takes two parties. It takes the patient who wants the easy way out and it takes the doctor who's willing to give the easy way out. And then you have your, your conspiracy of two people believing that they're trying to fix themselves when they don't even, have no idea that their posture could be improved with a few simple movements each day and not hundreds of dollars of medication each month. Right. It's not complicated. No. No, it's not. But... But it's because not sexy. it's so simple, it's not sexy, and it's not sold. Sex is what sells, man. You yeah. know, it's like <laughs> so. It's not. It doesn't have curb appeal. No, dude. Yeah, like I, I just sat down with um, Dr. Aaron Horshig, who runs Squat University. I saw that. And yeah, it's it's it's, it's a lot of the same things you're saying, man. Like, how many people can just squat? Like, how many people are just taking the time to? do these basic human like just movements that you lose that you don't even think about you know what i mean like how many people why actually do you think, crawl why do you roll? think people don't do that why do you think it's better to post a bar graph of an orange stripe a green stripe 
a red stripe and a blue stripe and a bunch of points that say 22. And then people post that because everybody wants attention, you know, and I understand that that's this it's the name of our life. You know, we want attention from the moment we're born. Why isn't, why isn't setting up your phone and crawling through your room back and forth worthy enough to get, you go, girl. Oh, I'm going to do that as soon as I get home from work. Yeah. I've already got it in my schedule. I'll show you mine. Because that's what's happening with these, you know, retail gyms these days that are just, I like, you, you know, we can't get distracted and I like that people are seeking, if if they truly are seeking yeah. ways to improve themselves. That's first and foremost. You know, I don't want to come off as this expert who's got the right solution. Yeah. Because what works for you works and go with it. I'm just going off the, the aggregate data. It's not working. Well, in general... I mean, our country is huge. Yeah, at all levels, we don't seem to be dress, uh, like addressing the root cause. It's always just you know, symptoms and band-aids that we put out there. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like we, at, at every level of health and fitness, like we need to be addressing the root cause, and that's the conversation that well, is the Well, and that's, you know, like a squat and touching your toes and basic stuff, that should be, it should almost be required to do like any higher intensity exercise. Like these places should actually stand and be accountable to what they preach. Like, it's not healthy for people who can't physically touch their toes to move in a circuit training form for 60 minutes. Yeah. It's not healthy. I don't care. You know, back again, I'm, I'm happy that they're trying to do something, but I will be the first to tell them what they're doing is wrong and actually harming what it is that they hope to achieve. If they hope to achieve progress and not just get attention. Right. So if, you know, if you really want progress and you're not able to do you know, a deep squat and you're not able to touch your toes, then you need to focus on that first. And anybody who tells you different doesn't care about your total well-being. That's a worthy pursuit, being able to do a squat. Most definitely. 100%. And there's a, there's a, there's a million different ways that you can actually start to progressively build that. Yeah, and we're not talking about a fucking barbell squat. No, we're talking I, I about want a butt body, to calves. Yeah, a yeah. body weight squat. Ass to grass, you're sitting there, you can chill. Yeah. Like that's, you see, you Tribal see, style, you, you know. You see two-year-olds do it all the time. Yes, they do. And they continue doing it until we make them sit all day. Yes. So they do it up until about five or six. And we start putting shoes on their feet. Right. Right. It's, you know, and that's what, that's what I'm saying. The healthy, we were, we were all there. And I can't say all these days because I know there's even a lot of kids that, due to unfortunate circumstances, they grow up into an unhealthy state quite early but you know kids are resilient and even in some of the most unhealthy situations they stay pretty strong up until eight nine ten pre-pubic yeah. age and then they start to put on their if they live in a family that's or in an environment that has poor health habits then you start to see the the effects right but the you know the human body is so resilient during oh, those yeah. developmental years that it, you know, depending on genetics, they're willing to fight through that. But then it just gets too much and, and too much uh, nature over, or nurture over nature. Right. And, you know, the unhealthy tendencies take over and the effects are seen. Right. But, you know, you take your healthy seven-year-old, like I said, they can cartwheel, they can touch their toes, they can deep squat, 
They can do all of these things. Name one other area in human development that we allow a complete regression from the point in time that we were seven, five. Yeah. Do we allow people to just drastically um, just regress ex- in how they speak, in no. their in their vocabulary, in their uh, interpersonal skills? Well, Randy, it's accepted, right? Like, what do you mean? You're 30, you're old. When, once you're 30, your body's supposed to start breaking down. I don't know what the fuck, this, where this what narrative a came joke. from. Where, I don't know where this narrative came from, but, like, that is the narrative. It's like once you start hitting a certain age, you're, you're just old. Your body just starts to break down. I'm you're supposed too to... old for that. <laughs> you know, that's oh what you hear. Oh, my gosh. I don't even know what that means. I don't think my kids have ever heard me say I'm too old for that. Right. It's like. What? Unless it was like going down the kid slide. <laughs> like I'm just too I'm too big for that. <laughs> yeah, no more Happy Meals, man. <laughs> collected all those toys. Yeah. Yeah. I well, it's become a collective, and like most conspiracies, most things that aren't true, um, it takes a lot of people, and and they have a lot of people. Yeah. Because, you know the the obesity rate is well over forty percent. That's insane. That's just obesity. You know, overweight people, you know, we're about 75%. So 25% of our population is neither overweight or obese. But even that 25% isn't necessarily healthy. Is that based on like BMI or what's that based on? Yeah, that's based off of BMI. But now what the CDC is doing, uh, they started in 2018, I think, maybe a, a couple years before that. They're actually doing like, call out studies it sounds like mm. like they're getting um it's it's individual responses oh, okay so you know take that as it as it may be you know but i would say that actually lends more evidence that there might be more obese people or overweight people because there's a lot of people who might just want not want to admit it you know and and so there's a combination of self-reported and doctors yeah doctors patient results Based on BMI, to answer your question. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't, you know, Adam, it do, I, I don't care about statistics, to be quite honest. Yeah. I, what I, I go by is I'm more of a behaviorist, and it's like, I don't care what you say you believe. Like, I just watch you. Right, what are your actions? Yeah, actions and so I just go out in public, and I, and I watch people, and it's not even the overweight. So that's what I'm saying, you know. So you have 75% of the people that are overweight in this country. Um what about the people that aren't overweight but have poor posture? You yeah. know that aren't they? They couldn't do a cartwheel to save their life. Well, there's a real issue where it's you. You might be like normal weight, but you're what's known as metabolically obese, right? Which so brings you skinny fat, right? Right. So again, these people should also want to know yeah. that okay, so I fit into your gap, this weird window of statistics, and you claim that I'm healthy, but if I was one of those individuals, I would want to know that, you know, our doctors. And our physical therapist should actually have a chart like that pyramid I made that says, okay, you know, you need to be able to touch your toes. You should be able to look behind you through your legs is another thing that toddlers love to do. Mm. Why? Because it builds awareness. Here's another whole factor that we haven't touched on. The um, vestibular system, the upside down, the rolling the forward rolls, the backwards rolls, the dynamic movement of a child. So what that does to stimulate the brain and how our genetics are actually expecting our brain to be moved because we once climbed in trees. And so that when we were sedentary, we would lay on a branch like this 
But then once we started to move, our brain would go upside down. It would be slung around and that would all of a sudden stimulate our entire body because for survival purposes, if you're moving, you might have something important to do. Like go find food or go fight somebody. Yeah. So that movement of forward rolling, most people can't do a forward roll to save their life. Right. And I don't recommend that an adult try that without, you know, obviously some serious preparation. And that sounds silly, but that's the truth. Very least the mat. <laughs> Something you could do, though, is to stand up and try to look between your legs at a clock on the wall behind you. Yeah. Because then you're upside down. And then you can come back up. And if you do that, most adults will say, oh, yeah, I'm dizzy. And it's like, yes, you are. Now, that doesn't mean that you just did something that's bad for you. What that means is your body hasn't done that since you were six. You're just not used to it. And you're just not used to it. And you got we, blood flowed around in your brain in spots it hasn't been touched since you were six. Right. We view those as kid, mo- like as kid movements. And it's like, oh, that's just things that kids do. But right. It's things that humans do. That's human progression, motor development. And yeah. we, we have now decided, because enough Karens d- made it so, that that's just something kids do. I shouldn't, I shouldn't do that. Right. You know, and that, that started with the convenient lie of one individual. And it continues to this day with the aggregate lies from individuals. Yeah, everybody's I've just- heard them. You're at a park. You know, I play with my kids, and unfortunately what happens is that becomes sort of um, an attraction at a playground for the other kids. An adult is running up and down the steps and going through the slide. Yeah. And that becomes the focal point. And unfortunately what that does is it shines another light on the other adults. And, you know, I don't know what type of light that is, but... For them, you know, but I can speak from my own purpose that it doesn't look like a good light that's shined on them. And it's only by their response that I, that I say that because, again, I just watch them. Yeah. They don't look too happy. And I've heard comments then because you get the invite then from little Timmy. Dad, Dad, I want to go up there. Oh, I'm too old for that. Yeah. And it probably and, makes him like just feel And sorry. then little Timmy hears that. And he's been told that a lot, and his uncle probably says the same thing. Yeah. And so does his teacher. You know, we're, you, you guys are too old to be doing that. Yeah. And so he's heard that a lot from authorities. And, you know, at a certain point in time, if you've heard it enough, and it's very convenient to what you want to do, which is be lazy, then, then it's definitely the truth. Yeah. And you're going you're gonna to believe it, and you're going to even maybe preach it if it comes down to it and scold people for it or condemn people for it. Well, much of life is the stories that we tell ourselves. That's all it is. Yeah, man. It's just a giant narrative, man. Yeah, what narrative are you choosing? Yeah, and that's, you know, you touched on that a while back with my life, and, you know, I would say with yours too, man, it's like, how many chapters do you want in your book? You know, hopefully a lot of them, and, you know. Yeah, I'm going to live until at least 106. <laughs> Why 106? I don't know. I just I knew I was gonna be at at minimum 100, <coughs> and I was just like, yeah, 106 sounds good. I like I like even numbers. Yeah, dude. I've always wanted to live to 100. I've never been so like, and I probably should start because it's like you believe it, then you achieve it. Yeah. But, um, I've never just been like completely convicted like that where I yell out 106. That's but it, baby, 106. Why would you not want to live past 100? 
Well, I know why because I see how a lot of people, I see how a lot of people over my age begin to have diminished quality of life. Yeah. Yeah, man. I I just wish people understood how how grand of a time we do actually live in and and what they could what they could be doing with their time. Yeah. I try to. That's what I do with my business more or less these days. Is um. It's such a phony word, but it's 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 a life coaching thing, and it's like mm-hmm. people hear that, and it's like, well, I have a pastor for that, and or I have a father already, and it's like understandable, but you know, to have another set of eyes, you get a coach when you do your taxes at the end of the year. Most people do if they run a business, they most go and people, get an accountant. Most people need coaches. I had a coach to get me out of jail, you know, and it's like, why would I do something as serious as my taxes? Or trying to get me out of criminal mm-hmm. charges. Why would I not want to coach for that? And so then when you start thinking about any endeavor in life, it you know, you might want another set of eyes watching what it is that you do. And so, you know, I use I use a simple setup of rituals, you know, to try to get people to actually be able to wake up and just see how grand their life is. And and so these rituals are are not spectacular moves, and they're each individual to the person. A lot of them are kind of the same, and I'll kind of explain what I mean because a lot of people think, oh, he's got he's talking about a set of habits, and I read a book called Atomic Habits, and I know how to build habits, and it's like you know we all talk about habits, and I'm talking about something a little bit different. I'm talking about a ritual, and and what a ritual is is what I alluded to earlier. It's got a little bit more punch. Even the word sounds more serious, like, holy shit, this dude's got rituals? Yeah. You know, and it's like, no, I'm talking about waking up early. I'm talking about walking around the neighborhood, and I'm talking about reading books. And it's like, yeah, okay, you're talking about daily habits. And it's like, no, man, like rituals have a greater meaning. Like a ritual is religious in definition, which means it, it – contains something that doesn't already or can't be proven to exist right it's sacred to you and it's huge it's potential type of a thing you know so it's like my ritual of yeah i I got a set of rituals aimed at becoming the father that i know i can be so yeah i'm not getting up to walk around the block i'm getting up to freshen my body so that i can think right for the day well why do you want to think so that i can be the father i know i can be so now all of a sudden, it's not about, ah, I better skip my walk this morning. It's raining outside. I can hear it pedal in the window. It's like, n- no. Like, you, that, that's why I have it on my shirt. No days off. Like, you got to have a goal, an aim, a belief that's actually, like, you would be disgusted if you took a day off from being the father, trying to be the father that you know you could be. You want to take a day off from that? Right. Like, holy smokes, but So now it puts a whole different concept into your daily habit. Yeah. Because it's a ritual. And I like those religious words as well because sacrifice. I love that word. And people like to water it down these days, which is another good word, but they call it responsibility. And, and oftentimes with my clients, I've just asked them to reverse the two words and say, you know, rather than waking up 
and making a list of your personal responsibilities, why don't you wake up and make a list of things you're sacrificing? What, what are you sacrificing for? Because that's the same thing. You, you go to work. It's a sacrifice. You, you get up to go walk around the block early because you go to work early. So you got to wake up extra early to do your walk. You're not just waking up to exercise. You know, you're actually sacrificing. It's a physical act mm-hmm. aimed towards that ritual. Right. Or it's that ritual of sacrifice is probably a better word to put it. And then you can even throw another religious word in there that just scares the hell out of people is worship. Like, what are you worshiping? And then people say, what? I don't even believe in a God. And it's like, well, clearly, but what are you paying attention to the most? Right. That's what worship means. What are you paying the most attention to? Is it your Facebook? Is it Netflix? Is it your car? Your abs? Your personal record? Your money? Or is it your kids? Your loved ones? Yourself? Like, what are you worshiping? So now all of a sudden, those aren't just habits. Those aren't just good things that you could do throughout your day. It's put a whole new meaning to, it should at least, to the situation. Like, you got rituals that you sacrifice for every day. And, you know, you worship being the father that you could be. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you use terms like that, and it makes it more serious. Yeah, dude. Dude, actions, <laughs> actions always speak louder than words. Right. You can tell a lot about a person by the things that they do. 100%. And it's that acting that, that well, I've always said people don't make a decision until they act upon it. Mm, that's true. Which even helps just writing things down, you know? Like, yeah, because cause that's an action. Yeah, because you have to face it later. Mm-hmm. So it, at least it made it real. Mm-hmm. And I never knew that either. I had a hard time, probably didn't want to face the truth of things because journaling is is a difficult thing if you're a liar <laughs> you know like I, dude fucking life is difficult if you're a liar I, I think about that and that's like i used to just be the biggest liar lies just all day and now you know it's so easy to spot from people and it's yeah. just like i don't i don't curse them for it or judge them for it I, I i truly feel bad for them because i know that something's going on to the degree that they gotta lie about it Right. You know, and it's like, I think we're all human to a degree and we're going to mm-hmm. sneak those white lies through and we're still going to try to maybe in, impress if it be our parents or somebody that we just first meet. You know, it's it's kind of a fine line. You don't just go rolling in to meet your future in law smoking a bowl. Right. You know, but <laughs> it's it, the truth. The more you can focus in and like know your truth right the better off you're gonna be and that's that journaling process that was impossible for because it's like what am i gonna write yeah that's true man i think that's you just said like the more you know your truth and it's like when we're going through life and this has been my experience i feel as as i'm getting older a lot of it is just it's just learning what is my truth and then but more so like just accepting what is my truth just being more self-accepting of again the things that i already knew like you said it's like you're not learning you're just remembering right because i'm i'm more comfortable like when you get older it's almost they say that you just you you don't care as much about what people think. You right. know what I mean? That's why when you have that old man who just says whatever the fuck is on his <laughs> mind but is that is that 
is that remembering? Like, is that, you know, learning your Took truth? You that long to remember who you really are. Yeah, you know what I mean? Or is, is that what that process is? Like, as you're getting older, you're just, you're more, you're more accepting of yourself. You're just, you, I you, think don't, if, you don't try to be something that you're not. Some people, but at least for me, like, I feel like I'm in a place now where, like, I just am who the fuck I am. And I had to go through some shit to just to to be there, but along the way, like I learned my truth. And I wonder, is that is that that remembering part of like who the fuck you are? Because you're a kid, and you're just so influenced by what everybody thinks and what you think they think, and your friends, and you 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 want to try to be this thing that you're not, and you resist these feelings and and different things. And it's like, but you're not anything as a kid yet. That's what's interesting, you know. It is that combination of an experience. With your potential. That's right. the mystery of life because – but before I lose my point, you, you said you know, it's more of an accepting of the truth. And, and I think you're spot on because I think what most people should come to realize is that truth isn't concrete and it's definitely not easy to wrap your hands around. What seems to be easier though is to recognize an untruth. And to, and to be able to avoid that is not necessarily easy, but recognizing the untruth. Mm-hmm. So even in my worst of times, I knew everything wrong that I was doing. There's a little voice. There's a soul. There's a whatever it is. It's inside of all of us. And I've asked everybody, and I'm done asking people now because I just I wouldn't believe them if they told me because it's a 100% answer. Everybody knows that you shouldn't do what you're about to do and then you do it and it backfires on you and you knew it. Mm-hmm. And so that is truth. And it's hard to put your fingers on, but you knew what it wasn't. And so it's that acceptance. Like you said, you have to accept that you don't really maybe even know what truth is, but you know what it's not. And we'll call it truth. Cause I guess by default, avoiding what's not true then would be true. I'm not going to go that way. Yeah. I know because I hear that voice inside me that says, don't stay in this relationship. So then I'm going to follow this way and it's got to be true. Right. I think that's our best hope at actually finding what is true because the other aspect of why it's not concrete is where it's, it's always changing. What's true is not stabilized. I mean, there's nothing in this world that's stabilized. Everything's moving, man, and it's going to continue to move. And it's that naive human proclivity to want to put it in a chart. Yeah. Like, the, you know, like they do with exercise and like yeah. they do with health. Let's put something as magical as humans and, and human thinking. Let's, let's, let's put some order to this. And it's like, good luck. Yeah. You know, and so that's why trying to order truth is, is just, it's impossible. But I think it's really easy to discover untruths. Yeah, oftentimes it's just knowing something isn't is enough to figure out what it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, so, yeah, give those old fuckers some credit. They've actually been able to, there's so many things that can take you out. And so just being alive at 80, you know, has got to give you the sense of empowerment. You know, like, imagine, <laughs> imagine, you know, how I looked at you as a freshman and I was a senior. Now imagine being a real senior. You know, we may look at him now and be like, oh, that poor bastard. He's old and decrepit. I don't think it works that way. Yeah. It, it's probably, if done right, you know, it, it probably empowers you to be that old 
and and then yeah i mean along with that empowerment comes you know speaking your mind wearing your pants up over your belly button and because <laughs> it's comfortable and wearing those white shoes because that's what yeah slip on easy yeah i try to keep that perspective in mind when in the present it almost things kind of feel like it's going to be forever or like what's happening right now is is it's always going to be this way I always try to keep the perspective of like, all right, well, I'm 33 right now. If when I'm 50, like you have what? That's 17 years between now and then. Will I really be stressing then about the things that I'm stressing now? So, and I say that because like, as I'm trying to build this podcast and and try to build this business and do these things, it's like, you just got to trust the process and just know it's going to take time. Like I can't stress that I'm not there now. But eventually, I just trust that I'll be there. Like, life is fucking long. I can't stress. It doesn't mean I can't, like, put, do work and, and do things right now. But if you just fucking, if I, if I at least like I tell myself, like, if you can just have the perspective that this isn't forever, that life is long, then it just, just kind of, like, helps fucking. I think you got it, you know. Keeps me in, like, an even keel. Just from what I know and what we've talked about with you, it's like. I think with any adventure, any challenge, it's easy to get wrapped up in the details of your particular challenge, the mountain you want to climb. Yeah. But I think as long as you stay focused through that specific challenge at improving yourself along the way and probably prime at a priority compared to... So my advice to you would be to continue working on Adam first rather than the podcast first. Continue working on Adam because, I mean, the podcast is a product of you. Right. And you just, to, to go off of your actual you know statement you made, the world's going to be a different place in 50 years. Podcast could be the same as a eight track. You know, we could hear that. And the whole concept of it all is just laughable, not because you once tried to do it because life his life yeah and so but through that process it's not a failure then you didn't fail at starting a podcast i mean just like kodak didn't fail at um developing photos anymore because that just doesn't happen they adapted you know and so yeah you, because you would work on yourself from 33 to 40 when some weird invention comes that just dismantles the internet yeah then you're still somebody who's been working on themselves for the last umpteen years right. rather than working on a podcast. Yeah. And, and I get, you see that with the nine to fivers when they retire, they're done. Yeah. Unless they have a dedicated plan and they know what they're doing, they're done because they've lived in a warp time bubble type thing and they've progressed in their terms of how the company they work for has progressed but outside of that bubble, they're just still the 26-year-old intern who started at that company. And now they're 58 and they walk away. And by the time they're 62, they're just lost. And they're just beaten because they haven't, you know, they They, they never developed themselves. They never developed themselves and they're in a world yeah. in which that it requires severe adaptation from 9 to 5 to non-structured time so that's a challenge in and of itself yeah retirement you know but oh, let yeah. alone i don't think i'll ever retire no. I'll, I'll always be doing i'm retired something. right now 
that's the way I explain it. And people laugh at me, and it's like, yeah, I mean, You're just living I life. still got bills, and, you know, it's like, I, I, I got kids at 12 and 9, but I'm retired. Yeah. Like, there's so much to do that's better than working. And people hear that, and they're like, what? What do you mean? And it's like, you know, we're not doing the same things that we were doing in 1940 anymore, you know? So why would we still be doing the things that we were doing in 1999? Yeah, I I don't view work as like a bad thing. I view, I don't like view going to. I don't want to go to like a place where I have to go work and clock like punch a clock. But I feel like I always be working whether it's on myself or towards something. Like I'm always sure. always be doing something. And and I think maybe what I meant so was like I I know that when I'm forty. Like, I just trust the process. Like, I'm going to get there. And I know when I'm 40, I'll be at a place to where I want to be at. So when I'm there, I'll look back on, like, where I'm at now. And I'll just be like, you you just have all this knowledge and perspective. Like, now, like, now, when I look back whenever I was 20, I'm just like, man, I didn't really need to stress about some of the things I was stressing about, right? So now I try to keep that perspective now whenever I start. It's like, all right, man, well, you're doing all these things or you have all these goals or whatever the case may be. It's like, dude, just relax because this is just life, man. Like I know when I'm 40, I'll look back and I'm like the things I'm stressing about or the, the, the goals that I have or the things that I'm working towards. It's never really as big as it seems in the moment. Right. We got a way of making it pretty big. Right. Like think of the, think of the nerves and everything we wasted before every single match. Dude, exactly. (laughs) In the the tournament the night before. And then it's just come Monday. It's like, dude, we're just living, man. Just, Just trust the process and just live life, man. Yeah, it, I, I feel that so much as it's being hard to do, <laughs> you know, because like, I, you know, it's such a balance because I feel like when I work with people who are not in the best place in life, they have too much of that. What you just mentioned, you know, just letting life kind of take them as, as it goes. Mm. Like they're not living intentionally. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And so, you know, there is that. That's why I, you know, I focus on my rituals. Mm-hmm. But that's that's why I quit working out. And that's, you know, because, again, what that allowed me to do was actually realize that a lot of the things that I was doing prior that were even in good intention weren't necessarily beneficial. For my long-term aim. You're right. And and so it's it's that balance of and, and you wouldn't know that if you didn't if you didn't take inventory. And taking inventory means counting. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like spreadsheet shit. And it's like, <laughs> wait, no, I just want to live a happy life, you know? And it's like yeah. there again, I think that's a, a poor statement to live a happy life is 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 a is a mistake. You want to live a meaningful life. Right. Because happiness will go at times. You're not always supposed to be happy. No. And then what do you do if, like, your aim is dismantled at the moment? Then you're, you're left aimless, actually. Mm-hmm. So when a loved one passes or when you're dealing with an extreme tragedy, that happiness is not even a question. It can't be on the radar. That means your goal is not on the radar. That means you're aimless. And if you're aimless... It's not a good place to be. Yeah. So, you know, when people are aiming at wanting to be wealthy or be um, happy or big ones, a lot of wealth and a lot of happiness is completely out of our control. 
And and when I mean wealth, again, I'll reiterate here. We we are living in the wealthiest time in the history of the earth. We live in the wealthiest country. We um, if you make over thirty thousand dollars, you're in the top one percent of the world. So the poorest people in our country are the richest people in the world. Like we've got it pretty good. You know, we've got it really, really good. And what? Damn, I lost my train of thought. Ah, oh, dude, I was just so entrenched in listening to you. Um, we were talking about um, not aiming for happiness, but aiming for meaningfulness. Okay, yeah. So sometimes what you get is people aiming for happiness, and wealth is the big one. Right. I mean, why are you trying to aim for wealth? And you're not right in control now, of like, that, right? No, and and it's like to aim for wealth. There's no difference in two hundred thousand and five hundred thousand. And people that make those two monies would tell me I'm insane. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, I'm talking greater meaning here. There's no difference. If if you if you construct your life in the way that it should be constructed, then there's no difference in that because again, you're taking care of it. Fifty, you're taking care of it. Thirty thousand dollars if you live right. You're fed. You're safe. And you can get places. So now, what you do after that is up to you. It's not about how much more money you make or it's not about being any more happy. So that is why those people leave those two things as like, I need more money and I need more happiness. No, you need more meaning. Hmm. How do I get more meaning in my life? I'll circle back. You need more challenge. Because that's what those, you know, like we talked about, the kids aren't getting this day and age. That's a because, necessary part of human existence. Well, once you have a challenge, then it actually provides you meaning because right. you overcame it or you didn't overcome it and you need, an, you still have meaning. Mm-hmm. It gives you something to do tomorrow. Right. Because you didn't get over it the day before. So you got something to do. That's one of the biggest problems that modern people have. And that we haven't ever had before in human history is boredom. And it's this because we are all rich kids for a greater, uh, for quote unquote rich kids. We, we have our lives taken care of us. You woke up in 1900, 1904. You woke up in uh, St. Charles County, Missouri. You didn't have to stop and think about what you were going to do today. What your aim was for the day. That was figured out for you. Yeah, you just woke up and you... You had to go to work. I mean, yeah. it was hard as hell to survive in 1904. Yeah. You know, and there was a lot to do just to survive. There was a lot to do because they wanted to thrive. Because we still have the same thing. There's plenty to do. Take one look at your life. If you can't find the imperfections, I'll do it for you, (laughs) you know, because there's plenty to do. But we've got this rich kid mindset because we live in such glorious times that we actually get to be bored. And we have iPhones and we have Zoom meetings and we have anything. We got vehicles that drive themselves and parallel park themselves. We've got electricity at the flip of a switch. Dude. And, and yet you, you know, you, you can't find anything to do. And that is the truth of the matter. And that is why it also comes down to, I ask my clients to wake up early in the morning. They don't have anything to do. So again, and that was my problem. Why would I wake up and just sit there? Well, you got to have something to do. Yeah. You got to have an aim. You got to have a challenge. 
Because if it's not a challenge, you're not going to want to do it because you are a human being. And there's no escaping that. And by nature, you want a challenge. You may confuse yourself. I like asking my clients that question a lot too. How difficult do you want your life to be? Mm. Well, life's going to be difficult regardless. You just got to choose your heart. Yeah. Well, I always <laughs> say one to a 10, and it's interesting to get the responses. Because initially you would think, I want my life to be one. You know, how difficult do you want your life to be? Most people, one. And it's like, really? So you want to lay there. I'll put a straw in your mouth, and then we'll, we'll put a catheter into you, yeah. and then you exist. <laughs> Nobody, I don't know why you'd ever want that. Right. So then, but it's like, dang, you know, then what do I want a 10? Do I want to be like with the hardest existence? Who's that guy, that wrestler with no legs and no arms back in the day? I think there's probably been a few of them now, but it's like, you want to be that guy, that challenge? I'll take a good five. <laughs> Get me somewhere in the middle. Somewhere. Yeah, I don't do. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question, though. And yeah, yeah, I just think that's the that's the missing link there for a lot of folks is just you got to have something worthwhile, something to wake you up in the morning, and it doesn't. I mean, hell, maybe you don't have kids, you know, because that seems to be what drives me. There's no better feeling than, you know, knowing I was dad of the day, you know. It's like, and there's no worse feeling than when you drop the ball in the dad game. It happens. It does. And I like the fact that it is a terrible feeling because it lets me know that I care. Yeah. You know, when I was coaching, coaching wrestling, it was like, you know, if, if the kid just didn't care when he lost, it's like, man, you're done. I'm not helping you one bit. Yeah. Like you just don't even want it, you know? And it's right. like but when you when you get upset, you know, over something and you know it, you know, it's like that yeah, you look at that. Why is that upsetting? It means a lot to you. And don't run from that because of the challenge of it. You know, and that because again, a lot of times it's like, Oh, well, that means a lot to me, I'm I'm out. And it's yeah. like, No, no, that's where you gotta look. And it's yeah. like face that. That's one of the, I'm so glad, you know, and I'm sure you can attest to this, like just being able to put your toe on the line and for you, you know, like put the, close the cage door. It's like, that says a lot, you know, and to be able to do that, act it out, not just say it, you know, when you act out a challenge such as a fight or a wrestling match, you know, that just the dynamics of it are just completely, that's why it's not on paper, you know, yeah. it's like. The dynamics, when you can do that and you're the man in the arena, you know, that's powerful. Yeah. Yeah, man, there's definitely something about, you know, entering into those high those high stakes situations or just just any stressful situation that you have to overcome some sort of adversity or challenge. It's just it's just so important, I feel like. Yeah, I mean the, well the, the psychology the, the literature again it states it, you know, you get you get serotonin. Oh you yeah, me. I mean, oh, you dude, just feel I, I love adrenaline. It. Yeah, falling into that flow state is the best. Exactly, yeah, and then it's all based on overcoming. You know, and mm -hmm. and it's actually the science I've read is it's all based on the the actualization of movement of progress forward. Because when you get to your destination, you become satiated, and there's a different response in your brain. It's actually good. I can shut down. Mm. For instance, you eat a big turkey sandwich. You know, you, your body says good. I made it. And there's that. Yeah. That, that little but room. when you're in the thick of it and you're, you know, you won round two and you won round three, you're not tired. And then you win the fight. Right. And you're not thinking about retiring the next day. Yeah. You're thinking about what am I going to do? Where am I going next with this? What, 
camp am I going to pursue to improve my skills? So it's like that level of ascertaining progress will keep that dopamine and serotonin pushing. Yeah, progress is addictive. Hell yeah. Yeah, it is. But once it slows. And it can be hard to get that momentum back. Dude, they say like absolute, you know, and that's like absolute zero in terms of like mathematics. It like doesn't exist type of a thing because it's like the stoppage of molecules. Yeah. You know, and it's like, but being on the bottom, I you know, broke, no relationship. And it's like, yeah. dude, sometimes it's easy to see how you get stuck there. Because mm-hmm. I believe that the same sort of momentum of progress can be a lifetime thing. Mm-hmm. It's why the rich get richer, you know, and, and it's why that, you know, once you get to be a certain level of, you know, skill sets, you're given more opportunities. You know, you're never going to get away from that concept of, you know, the energy attraction of something snowballing. Oh, yeah. And growing. 100%. That's just that's and, just like a law of life. Yeah, it's called the Pareto distribution actually in mathematics and like gas molecules and if you follow like any creative human works such Bro, as like Were you a math major? Finance. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I bring up math a lot. <laughs> well, it just, for me, it makes sense of, you know, and I know you're more free-spirited than I am, I would guess. But I, even though I'm trying to go to school off of people like you a lot more, because just naturally I'm so... You're very analytical. Yeah, you hear me. I keep having to bring it back down to numbers. It's totally fine. But they're just fake. You know, that's what the funny thing <laughs> of it is. This agreed upon thing that we all <laughs> fucking just live by. No, I get it. <laughs> It, it does. It provides me that. So I've got this. Uh, I got this thing that I do daily. And what I do is I've got two different sheets. And I use a um, Google Docs. So I have one that's chaos, meaning it's a Word document. And I call it Life Worth Living. And it's just thoughts. Okay. It's that doesn't move. help me, though, because I talk about a good idea. Or I talk about, yeah, i got to get clients to start thinking about morning rituals way more and and i just quick jot that down and it's like what's the practicality of it but jotting down is important because what are thoughts what are ideas it's like it's like i think it needs to be complemented and here's the other thing so this is a spreadsheet now and this is what i've done this morning read the time i read how much time these are my rituals that i kind of track because numbers have to come into play they have to in order to ascertain any progress. Yeah. Otherwise, it's completely, which it means nothing if you don't have some sort of. It might mean nothing even with the numbers, but at least it gives us something. If, hey, look, at the end of the day, if it makes you and happy, all, bro, that's all fuck matters. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but for me, it was like I have to balance, and, and I have to find that balance of chaos and order. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just. Yeah, so you will hear me bringing back down. Well, because, again, the thing I say is 1% better every day. I love that concept Mm -hmm. because as a numbers guy, I know what – if you invested $100 at 1% every day, oh, my gosh. Like, dude, you'd be be, be pissing on Jeff Bezos in a matter of a week or, you know. (laughs) It's astronomical how fast that improves. So that's where it's like I don't even need 1% a day. Yeah. I mean, 0.01% a day of improvement. And for me, that was so satisfying to know that, like, wait, I don't have to do everything today. Right. You know, I don't have to make – I just have to get a good – 
you know, steady line of progress. Yeah, even a small amount of progress is still progress. Right. And incrementally that will become something you bet. massive. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny, man. I bet you I piss a lot of people off talking about numbers. Num- Most people don't dare bring it up, but I bring I, I'm always breaking things down. And they're like, <laughs> check this out. If you just read ten minutes a day, by the end of the year you're gonna read twenty six hours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like <laughs> but maybe most people are like, That doesn't help me, but to me it does, you know, and I always talk about the compound interest and I talk about the other thing is um, you know, get really, really good at the things that you do every day. Yeah. Because that's in that one percent type of theory that like if you get good at it like getting out of bed like you have to do it every day for the rest of your life you know interacting with your kids why don't you try to get really 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 good at that you know and you know get really 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 good at first impressions and how you meet a stranger yeah you know and if like you get really 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 good at those things that you do every day then that's that point one percent yeah. And by the time you're 40, by the time you're 50, you are mastered at that. Yeah. You know, and yeah, that's rather so true, than man. just letting the alarm clock get you out of bed, you know, or rather than just resorting to the same, how was school today, Timmy? Questions. It's like, no, why don't you start practicing being better at it? You know, and whatever that means for you, what what being better at getting out of bed means or what being better at talking to your kids means, you yeah. know, but yeah, just the things that you do every day rather than, you know, we put tons of effort into keto and, you know, into all these other things and it's like, Take that energy right over there. You know, yeah. you're close. I like it. You're trying right. to better yourself. You are. You're You're seeking, but it's like. Take that energy and go into what doesn't seem like it would be a big deal. But right. Just simplify it. Like, it doesn't have to be complicated. Well, if you don't have a good relationship with your child, you know, there could be a lot of problems there. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you don't, like, it, just take it the negative side. Like, imagine if you couldn't get out of bed the way that you wanted to, you know, and it was just the worst. Yeah. It was like, because I've known people like that. And it's like, they don't have very much success. You know, because it's like... They start the day off with an L. Yeah, and I mean success in their own terms because how could you have much success if you don't know when you're going to get out of bed in the morning? You know, and it's that type of thing to where it's like... And again, how much success could you have if your your initial statement to your child each day is a cliche or repeated statement that most parents say how was school today yeah instead of saying hey did you have an adventure today at school no yeah, school but what was the best part of your day at school then if you didn't have an adventure you know i love doing i actually like with my kids i change it around all the time what was the worst part of school today yeah you know and that way they can maybe unfortunately as human beings we can usually find something wrong with a situation right before good yeah. so then it gets it changes their state and they're like oh i can answer this question right like, my teacher mrs beasley she's so fat and then she came in and it's like easy braxton like, you know, like, <laughs> those are real stories and you start getting hey man i'd rather at least have to talk to my kid about how he spoke to about me to his teacher rather than yeah. hear a canned response of Oh, he's good. You know, it was good. Right. Well, yeah, and at least your kid's talking to you. Right. Right. But try to get more than a one-answer response from your kids. 
you know, and, you know, that would be probably a way to be better at that. And same thing with your spouse. It's amazing how many quote unquote loved ones don't really communicate. Yeah. You know, they, they say like a certain amount of minutes each week, you know, a good relationship has. And it's like, whoa. Like The amount of people who are just kind of going through the motions, just kind of living life without meaning or purpose, just unfulfilled, just kind of just doing what they were told to do is astronomical. There are a lot of people. 80% of us. <laughs> Numbers. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's what they say. You know, 80% of the productivity. And Adam, this is in numbers. Like, so you take a factory, it's that same number. It's 80 20. You take a factory and or you take any organization of salespeople, say, 80% of the income that the company makes is from 20% of the sales right. people. Yep. You got about 80% of the people in the wagon. You got about 20% of the people pulling the wagon. I don't know, you know, because, again, the the political fallout of that is tough. It really is because, mm-hmm. you know, I do care about people at the bottom. I, I, I care about the dispossessed, and you will have dispossessed, and you will have uber-rich. And that is not cool, you know, in a, in a lot of ways. But the, the political fallout um, – gets touchy because the only way to kind of fix that seems to be some sort of a handout or some sort of, you know, assistance. Mm -hmm. And again, there's people that need that. Yeah. There are. And, and that needs to be provided by a country of our stature. But what does that do to what we had been talking about prior to people's challenges that they need to overcome? In, in relation to how they feel about themselves and their life's meaning, you know, um, it's hard to say, man. I I've also kind of wrestled with the idea of like a, like a universal basic income, like what that might do for society right. and whatnot. Like, I I understand both sides. I know it really just depends on the person because you're definitely going to have some people who will who would like take that money and not do shit with it. Well, I, do you want to give money to drug addicts? Would that be you know like that's. A lot of times it's not money that people need right. that would get them money to isn't the place. The answer. Right, because there's a lot of people that as soon as they get money, they're actually going to cause themselves and their community at large more harm. You know, remember, 50% of the murders are, are, are caused by drunks. And so, you know, and so you got to be careful with that, with that concept right. of, of, the, of the, you know, do you just hand out a debit card to people that are struggling and, and where does that – you know, where is a line drawn on what actually struggling means, you know, and all that. It gets it gets tough. But well, I, I do I do believe there has to be a safety net. There there has to be um Well even just like basic needs. I feel like with as rich of a country as we are, I mean obviously like you can't help everybody. I mean there's there's a lot of people with, with a lot of addiction and terrible mental disease and they're they're never going to live But in how home. are you helping people with the basic need of a of a challenge? Because that is a fundamental need. Yeah. Psychologically, yeah. you know. And and again, we'll go back to people who say, "Well, people need housing." Correct? Right. They need food. Right. Yes, they do. And and they need a little, you know, revenue for whatever, but it's like they they also need meaning in their life. Yeah, well the question is, okay, if And we, how do you provide that? Well, 
I feel like life will provide it in some form or fashion in many regards. But like if we did meet, let's just say housing and food, like I know for me, if I got a thousand dollar check that would just cover just those basic things, that would that would make life a whole lot easier for me to pursue all these. Yeah, but other we don't count. But we, that's just we're, me. we're 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 driven, man. Exactly. You have ideas. You 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 got. But would creations. there be more people who would also do that? Yeah, maybe. I know, and even if you could, again, the question is, what if you just even grabbed one of those out of every thousand? Yeah, one of us that's trapped. Yeah, or even if, like, say you got that check right, and you didn't even put it towards like having a house and shit. But what if you were just like living on the fucking road and mountain biking and putting out awesome positivity in the fucking world? Who's to say like that's not valuable too? Yeah, I I know, but so it's like, what is? I just I, – I, then I go back to my – I agree, man. It's, it's not easy. It's not. I, I just – I would hate to think that then we're a country that's so focused on passing around $10,000 to each other when just one ten thousand – what that would do into like sub-Sahara Africa. They don't even have wells yet down there. You know, they don't even have fresh water systems. Yeah, we have so much waste in our country. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Is it necessarily a good thing to start – you know, generating just more, and it, it sucks because I hate the idea of trapped potential. Yeah. You know, like I, I picture these these kids that are in poverty-stricken situations and that don't have, you know, the – here's the thing. I think they all have the physical material opportunity. What I'm speaking of, they don't have the opportunity and they don't get the support yeah. psychologically you don't have the encouragement. and emotionally. Oh, you, you think you're better than us? Oh, you, you think you can go do other things? Like crabs, like people are like crabs in a fucking barrel, dude. Oh, sure. Especially Familial in poverty. too. Yeah, dude. In these poverty-stricken environments, dude. Yeah. yeah. Family will pull you down just as fast as a friend will. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, man. And, you know, that's – it's just – I feel that the solution of just spilling more money into it might not be the answer. Might not be the answer. But you can't start knocking things until you have a better answer. <laughs> you know, so it's like dude, I don't know, dude. I, dude, I don't fucking know. That's why I'm not a senator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, you know, it's worth paying attention to because I care about people, and I've always, I've always wondered, you know. At first, when I was a lot younger, I would judge homeless people. And then I, under, you know, it's like, well, go get a job. And it's like, it's not the problem. You know, these people are addicted, you know, and th that is the problem. And that shouldn't be a reason why they don't get to participate in society. Mm -hmm. They need to be able, we need to help them out of that addiction. Well, the amount of vets that are homeless. Well, and it's trauma. Yeah. You know, everybody's dealing, that trauma, um, for me, it was very minuscule, uh, not getting to the status I wanted to in life by the certain time, and it drove me to an addiction. But I can't all, imagine what it's all relative. Real though. trauma, I know, but trauma is trauma. There's some, it is, it is, and I and I did go through a lot, but I, I it makes me it makes me cringe sometimes when I see that there's people going through what isn't even on the scale, right? Of what I feel I went through, yeah. And, and I know that the trauma that these people are harboring is huge, especially the vets. Mm-hmm. And and the uh, the abandonment type of a feeling that a lot of the vets deal with, right? You know, they and, come home and yeah, and and you can't articulate that again. And a lot of times, any typical right winger would just be like, uh, "Whatever, you know, strap up, pull up your bootstraps. They right. got to get back to work. They right. got an education. They got a free <laughs> education. Why can't that? You know?" And it's like, right? No, it's not. You know, we're 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 so delicate 
you know, we're, we're these powerful vessels, but yet we have no idea how we even work. We have no control over ourselves, mm-hmm. very little at the, at the most. And, and it, it needs to be considered with people that are in, in, in tough situations in life and right. in, in, in a homeless, um, addict is, is the worst place you could be. You know, you clearly have no control over any of your actions and you don't have anybody that cares any longer. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's gotta be almost close to as, ab, you know, absolute zero as possible. It's rock bottom for sure. Yeah, it really is. And, um, you know, it does make you think, but it's interesting, Adam, because, you know, I, I make it a, a notion to throw a few dollars here and there to people that I see at a gas station or, and I try to do more than that. I actually try to have a simple conversation, you know, and just say hello and ask them their name. That's, that's a big thing that I like to do because God knows it's probably never been said or asked from most people, maybe in five years. Treat them like an actual person. Try to, you know, and I don't try to, I'm not patronizing anybody or trying to be anybody that I'm not. It's, they all have cell phones though. (laughs) But because you can get those. Right. You can get those. And I don't mean to say that, you know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, so what else do we want to, like, they have a cell phone. And and now, you know, like, there's transportation that's that's fairly convenient in the form of not public, a shared economy. Mm -hmm. I mean, for a bus pass price, you know. And so, practically speaking, you know, let's use our resources maybe as as a, a country that maybe we could provide you know, transportation coupons, you know, type of things, mm-hmm. but, you know, right, you know, to some sort of a work process thing, right. and, you know, but yeah, I'm, the answer is going to be obviously in the details of each individual and it's going to be healing trauma, but I don't think it's money. I don't think it's a money issue. I think it's, um, and the other, the other aspect of the money is the corruption, these people, Plenty you know, I mean, that. no offense. I'm not a Mother Teresa, but I'm really interested in helping people. And the majority of the people that I come into contact in bureaucratic environments and in, in, in the, the machine of our governments, they don't want to be there. They don't want to help anybody. And they're not telling me that. I'm just watching them. And I'm just basing it off their actions mm-hmm. and, and, and how long it takes my calls to get returned and, and certain things like that. Right. And um, believe it or not, I'm still on a state probation five years from all my – bullshit in the past and that's been a very fun thing to go through with your life together and it's been interesting because i know i'm one of the rare ones that actually shows up to an appointment 15 minutes early with a drug addiction counselor this was in the beginning of the stages i had to get assessed and um and then my probation officer i contacted the first day and all you know the steps that i go through to do that what happened to me is that actually threw up a bunch of red flags and, really? and it caused me more havoc and people the, my, I got accused of trying to rush the, the, the process and cause I finished my uh, community service within like two weeks, 40 hours of community service. 40 hours. <laughs> I just banged it out. I don't have a job, you know? So it was like, <laughs> well, technically for my probation officer, if she's listening, yeah, I still work for myself and I do. But it's like, but uh, right, you're not, you're not, you know, I'm not pinned down to a nine to five. And so I realized right away that these people were not there to help me get back onto my feet. Dude, it's a trap. Once you're in the system, they want to keep you there, bro. Right, right. But it makes me wonder who they are, though. 
Hey. Yeah, I don't know who the they is, but I think it's an individual. It's an aggregate of individuals because that person had it's a job in, that they industry. didn't want to be there. It's an, that is an industry that needs to be supported. Oh, it's brutal. You know oh, the. That's a whole other rabbit hole, Randy. I know, dude. Oh, man, dude, we're coming up on two hours. Um, Jesus, dude, this has been this has been a fun. Yeah, I gotta get going. Dude. Yeah, I know, bro. I appreciate. I, <laughs> I get carried away. So, yeah, dude. Um, is there anything that you wanted to um, direct the people to if they wanted to check you out or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. I would just say you're, the best thing that for uh, people to do is to go to my website, movegoodfeelgood.com, and you'll be able to get into contact. All of my contact information is, is right there on that website. But more importantly, like we talked about a little earlier, that's the meat and potatoes of what I do. It's kind of an app, a web-based app. So if you go to my website, it just kind of brings you into an app. It's very easy to use. And you can um, go through a few videos of those motor development movements that I think people should be testing themselves on. Touching their toes and balancing on one leg. And, and you can keep track of your progress. So you can upload a video of you maybe practicing some of these bear crawl movements I've got, a lot of mobility movements. Mm -hmm. And so it's a it's a very practical website application. And that's movegoodfeelgood.com. My email address and contact info is all on there. But I really encourage people to check that out. It'll give you, you know, some simple movements to do right in your living room in front of the TV with your kids. Basic stuff. Yeah, dope, dude, and I'll put it in the show notes, so yeah, it'll, appreciate be, easy, it'll that. be easy for people to find. Yeah, awesome. thank you, man. Dude, Randy, thanks, brother. Hell yeah, dude, it's been fun. Yeah, man, all right, folks, bye. See ya. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. That was so fun. Randy's such a rad-ass dude, and we probably could have talked for another hour about some other things, uh, but this was just so much fun. Again, if you are enjoying this uh do me a solid, leave a rating and review, tell a friend. All of these things help. Make sure you're subscribed if you aren't subscribed. Um, big thank you to St. Louis Deck and Fence. Big thank you to Imposed Will. Go to imposedwill.com. Check them out. You guys can save 10% on their apparel by using the code OUTSIDE. And we are actually... Uh, selling shirts. We have shirts for the podcast and they're being fulfilled by Imposed Will. We did a collaboration and they're making our shirt for us. So you can actually save 10% on that shirt and get, you know, help help support the podcast by picking up some of some of the merch that we got. So go to imposedwill.com and, uh, and, and use the code outside at checkouts. Uh, that's all I have for you guys today. We will be back very soon with another awesome conversation. I love you guys just keep being rad humans i'll catch you next time bye